And so I'd like to just read the first paragraph again as we zoom in. And, and maybe one more comment before we read this. Something else that I think is so important as we talk about this, especially as we, we talk about our lives as a whole, is there's going to be a day where we stand before God. And it's going to be the moment where we stand before him and we're going to give an account for every single action we have ever done in our entire lives. Now just imagine for a moment, let's say that every person has done a billion actions. As we're there on the altar, as we see the altar of a billion actions, I think it's so important for us to ask the question, as we look at the vast amount of actions we've ever done in our entire lives, what actions have we done for the glory of God? And then also asking what actions have we done uh, that either have not been for the glory of God or for the glory of self. And my hope and prayer is that these two paragraphs would spur us on, that we would desire, when we get to that moment where we stand on that, we're right before the altar, we have those billion actions, that we would desire that, that the majority of those things on the altar would be for the glory of God. Our life matters, and we're only given one. Well, I just want to begin in the first paragraph and then pray. 1 Corinthians 3 Verses 5 to 9. It's Paul. Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, as we look at your word, I pray that we would realize that we have only been given one life, one precious life, and I pray that it would cause for us to have the desire that as we look at our lives, that we would use every single moment of our lives to store up treasure in heaven, we pray in your name. Amen. Well, just to begin in verse 5, zooming in, it says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed. And I think this, this beginning is so important. Because this was written at a time where there was a lot of division that was happening. There were people that were saying, I am of Apollos. And then there were others who were saying, I am of Paul. And Paul was trying to say, no, 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 we are all of Christ. And I think that if, if the Apostle Paul was to write a, a letter to the American church today, I think he would say something very similar. Because I would say that there are, a lot of, there are a lot of divisions that are happening today in our culture and in the church. And I think it is so important that when we, we are with us as believers that we realize it is Christ who unites us. There are so many people that, that they are trying to talk about the, the differences of someone. Uh, and the difference is how, how someone might be and trying to focus on the differences. And yet we see here that, that the word desires, no, when we have that faith in Christ, there is a unity. The, the dividing wall of hostility has been broken down. We are one in Christ. It is Christ alone who is our, he is our unity. 
And I think that's so important. We go on, it says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believe. Just look at that word, servants. I love that it doesn't say generals. It doesn't say managers. It says servants. That's what we are. I heard one person say, I'm just a beggar, showing the other beggars where the bread is. And that's our life as Christians. We are, we are showing unbelievers how glorious Christ is, and we're saying, have you tried this bread? The bread of life? The greatest bread in the entire universe. That's what we are. We are all as servants trying to show unbelievers how wonderful and glorious Christ is. Servants through whom you believed. I love this next part. It says, as the Lord assigned to each. Here's the comforting thing. Every single believer has been assigned a ministry. Everyone. Uh, maybe you have seen in your own lives different gifts that God has given you. I want to encourage you. It is because God has assigned for you a specific ministry. Maybe it's within the church. Maybe you have a specific desire for a specific need that's in the church. Maybe it's outside the church. And I think this is so important as well because we, God has assigned us not just with our gifts, but he has assigned has put us with homes that we live in. not an accident that you were put you there for a specific he has assigned our ministries as the lord assigned to each verse six i planted apollos watered but god gave the growth and i would say this is one of the most comforting things that not only has god assigned our ministry but god has assigned the results of our ministry meaning when we witness and when we share the gospel, I don't know about you, but I have definitely come to many moments where I'm like, why haven't they believed yet? You know, and I'll be going and I'll be saying, I'll be sharing the gospel and I'll do it over and over and over. And, and, and as we see here, the, the wonderful truth is that God is the one who is responsible for the growth. All we are responsible for is planting and watering. That's it. That's it. And so when you look at your lives and you're looking at the unbelievers that you're witnessing to, be encouraged. God has a specific reason for you to be there. If it be sowing the word, if it be watering through prayer, if it be sowing and, and reaping through your relationships with them. But be encouraged. If you're discouraged and you're saying, I don't get it. Why have they not come to faith yet? The reason is because he has a specific will. It is God completely who gives the growth. I think the, the bigger question is this. Notice it says, I planted, Apollos watered. The bigger question is, are you planting? Are you watering? Because whenever we see a commandment in the word, the truth is that when we see a commandment, if there are times where we are not keeping the commandments, the reality is that we are sinning. And the Bible actually commands Christians to share the gospel. And so I just want to begin here. Are there unbelievers that you are building bridges with? Are there unbelievers that you're witnessing with? And the truth is that if the answer is no, the Bible says that it's a commandment. And, and it says that not only is it a commandment, but when we don't do that, we are sinning. And so that it would spur us on to say that we desire to, to bring forth the Great Commission. But, but like I said too, as we see this, that when we do bring the Great Commission, we are not at all responsible for what happens. We're just responsible for planting, for watering, God is the one who gives the growth. Verse 7. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. 
There's a lot of celebrity pastors out there. Celebrity people who are trying to show people the numbers that they have converted, and then they're trying to heap glory on themselves. And yet, notice what it says. It says, neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. How much glory should we get in evangelism? None. All of the glory is completely to God, because God is the one who gives that growth. And so when you're witnessing, just be encouraged that, that God is completely responsible for the results. Completely responsible. Did you know that you and I have reached as many people as Billy Graham? Zero. Because Billy Graham has never saved anyone. It's the Holy Spirit who used Billy Graham. And it's the Holy Spirit who uses us to witness for potential growth to happen as people come to faith in Christ. We're just the paintbrush. God is the painter. And when we are sowing the seed, we're, we're the sower. We're just, we have four soils. It, that is where the soil there are two today will be upon the four. See that. God is the one who does the rest. We go on, verse 8. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his numbers. Oh, it doesn't say that. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his success. Oh no, it doesn't say that either. It says according to his labor. Meaning, when you are going to your non-Christian friend, and you're having that awkward moment where you're talking to them at work, the, the encouraging thing is you are not rewarded by how they respond. You are rewarded by even asking the question. If you were to go to someone's door, you're not rewarded based on how they respond. You're rewarded for knocking. For knocking. When we remain faithful and we say, I don't care how it's going to go. I'm just going to do it anyway and I'm going to trust that God is the one who gives the growth completely. When I think of this, really I think what it comes down to is do we desire to be uh, faithful or the, the other thing is, as I think about this passage, it reminds me of two specific, two specific prophets. The prophet Jeremiah and the prophet Jonah. Jeremiah and Jonah. Now, Jeremiah preached for 40 years and Jonah preached for 40 seconds. Jeremiah preached for 40 years with no one coming to faith. Jonah preached for 40 seconds and an entire city repented. Now, at first glance, we might say, well, I would love to be like Jonah. But when you begin to look at both lives of Jonah and Jeremiah, we begin to realize that Jeremiah was faithful and Jonah was fickle. And when we look at those people, we need to realize, even though Jeremiah didn't see anything, he kept his head to the plow. And even though he didn't see any results and they threw him in a well, he kept going. And they beat him and he kept going. And they threw him in prison and he kept going. And he said, I don't care. I'm going to obey the Lord. I'm going to do it anyway. And when we see those, those two, might we be encouraged to remain faithful? To remain faithful. And that when we are going to the plow, that we would rest completely that God is the one who gives the growth each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. We are his workers. We are his, it says, his field, his building. So that was all zooming in on specific ministries that potentially God has called us to. What I want to do now is I want to zoom out for a moment. 
And I want to talk about how we can glorify God, yes, in our ministry, but also in the little things, in the medium things, in the big things. When we turn on a switch, when we go bowling, when we go on a walk, when we share the gospel, how can we, how can we glorify God in every single action that we do? Verse 10, according to the grace, <coughs> excuse me, according to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Notice what it says. It says, let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Meaning this, Christ, we are now, look at what Christ has done for us. That he's taken our sin, that he's taken the wrath that we deserve, that he's taken the eternal hell that we deserved. And as we look at Christ and we see now that we have peace with God and a relationship with him, and, and as we have that relationship, now what we do is as we see the risen Christ, that we say, Lord, you've done everything for me. Now, I want to spend the rest of my life doing as much as I can for you. And so as we look at this passage, that's really what it is. That as we look at what he has done for us, that it would spur us on to desire when we get to that last day and we see a billion actions, that our desire is that as many actions as we can, that it would be to the glory of God. I want to read now verses 12 and on are, are my, one of my life passages. And I have just been so helped by this. It says in verse 12, Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. As I read this, I, as many others do, believe that there are six materials and every single action that happens in the believer's life is one of six materials. Gold, silver, and precious stones is what we do for God. And then wood, hay, and straw is what we do not do for God and what we do for self. Because when you see all of six, those six materials, three are burned up in the fire and three will be refined in the fire. And so as we think about that last day, just let us, let us all imagine that. We've passed away. We're there. We're before God. Our life is over. We have been given, we have been given a billion actions. How many of those will we say, Lord, I want to do this for you. You have died for me. Might I do everything for you? And what I want to do now is I just want to talk about four potential different ways, three potential different ways that we can store that treasure up in heaven. Talking about how we can do that in our hobbies, in our work, and then through di spiritual disciplines. So firstly, talking about hobbies. I am not at all saying that we should get rid of our hobbies. Not at all. But rather, it says in 1 Corinthians 10 that whether we eat or whether we drink or whatever we do, do all to the glory of God. And so that begs the question, how can we eat and drink to the glory of God? And the way that we do that is, let's say that you're, you're enjoying a great, you're enjoying your favorite drink. You're going, Lord, praise you for how wonderful this is. Or you're enjoying your favorite meal. Lord, praise you for this. Or you're with different people in your life that you're so thankful. Lord, praise you for this. Or you're on a walk in creation and you're going, Lord, you have made the most beautiful scenery ever. Praise you for this. That the way that we glorify God by, by just the, the, the different things in life is that we are able to enjoy the gift of God and that it, it, it is responded through praise. 
through thanksgiving and through worship. I would say that those Christians who, who store up the most treasure in heaven are the most thankful Christians because they're, they're praising God constantly. And as they're able to look at all of the different blessings, as they're praising God for all of the wonderful gifts that he's given, I'd say that's how we can glorify God in our hobbies. Secondly, work. When it comes to work, that we're not desiring to worsen an employer, uh, that we're not wanting to impress different people to create a status, but that we would say, no, there's no point in a status anymore. I am now Christ's. That we would take every person's eyes on earth and then we would put it to the side and that we would realize when we work, when we're in our hobbies, there's only one person's eyes that matter, Yahweh. That when we are able to work, that we say, Lord, I want to work to your glory. I don't want to work for my status. I don't want to work for, for my employer. I want to work for you. You have done everything for me in Christ. All I want to do is glorify you because of that. Glorifying him because of that. I heard a great uh, analogy by Keith Green. Keith Green was sharing a story about how he, he was talking about how even in the most mundane things that we can do it to the glory of God. And I'm not exactly sure if he was telling a story of this or he was just giving this of an example. But he was talking about even something as mundane as, as if you're, let's say someone is, is doing janitorial work and doing, doing uh, like if it'd be scrubbing a toilet. And saying, even though people don't realize that, that you are doing that, doing it so that only one person sees. Doing it so that God sees. And so that even in the most smallest thing, that as you, you scrub whatever it be, that you go in your heart, Lord, I'm not doing this so that other people see, but I'm doing it because you, the creator of the universe, Yahweh, you see, and I want to do it to please you. From the smallest thing to the greatest thing, that we're doing it for one person's eyes, Yahweh, the triune God, that we're doing it to please him and him alone. Hobbies, work. I want to talk about spiritual disciplines. I just want to share a couple. A couple, maybe, I hope and pray that even one or two of these would spur us on to, to continue to grow in our desire to put that treasure in heaven. Because here's the truth. A lot of people in America are living cotton candy, fog-like lives. You bite, into can, uh, you bite into cotton candy, it's gone before you can swallow. Have you ever tried to grab hold of fog? There's no substance there. As Christians, we want to live substance lives to the glory of God. Lives that have substance to it that God would be glorified. And so just to talk a little bit about some different spiritual disciplines that we have. Reading the Word. I would say... That's probably the, the most important one. That is how we can know how we can most glorify him. Prayer, speaking to him. Those two right there are how we have a relationship with God. We hear God through the Bible and we speak to God through prayer. Thirdly, singing to the Lord. Absolutely on a Sunday and also on a Monday, on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday. When we're driving to work, and we're looking at the world around us going, Lord, praise you for Christ. You've given me everything in Christ. All I want to do is sing to you. Singing to the Lord. Singing to the Lord. Fourthly, sharing the gospel. Earlier we had talk, talked about friendship evangelism. There are so many different ways to share the gospel. Sharing the gospel also with strangers. I'm a big fan of gospel tracks. If I've heard correctly, the average person 
the average American eats out four to five times a week. And in those moments, uh, what I found so helpful is just handing one gospel track, gospel track, the word of God that can track, not necessarily heard, and they see the, word, the decision for Christ. And I've heard of so many people throughout church history who've been born again just by reading the word of God on a gospel tract. So firstly, reading the word. Secondly, prayer. Thirdly, singing to the Lord. Fourthly, sharing the gospel. Fifthly, fasting. I had heard someone say that fasting was the exclamation point on prayer. The exclamation point on prayer where we're praying, we really want a certain thing or there's a certain decision we have to make. We bring it through prayer and as the exclamation point, we say, I want to fast in this as well. Sixthly, giving to the Lord. Giving to the Lord if it be to the church. And the Bible also talks about giving to the needy. Things like compassion. Because here's the truth. The, the amount that we keep on earth, the more that we will leave when, when we go. But the more money that we give to God through giving to the needy or through giving to the church or giving to different Christian organizations, the, more, the, the larger the percentage there, the larger percentage that we will be able to store up in heaven. In heaven. And seventh, memorizing and meditating on the word. And I'd say this is different than reading the Bible because reading the Bible is you're there, you're in the word, but memorizing and meditating is you take the Bible with you. And so then when you're on your way to work, when you're in different settings, you're able to, to just think about the word and then it causes for us to worship. So, so th those are just three hobbies, work, spiritual disciplines. But what I want to do now is I just want to answer the question why. Because potentially at this point, you've, you, at some point, maybe you've gone, okay, I understand that the Bible says to do that, but why? If we're supposed to, to get rid of so much of our desire for earthly things, why would God want us to desire treasure in heaven? And I would say the answer to that is found in Revelation 4. In Revelation 4, you have the elders, the 24 elders, and they're, they're before God. And they're worshiping him. And then it says they cast their crowns before the throne. And in the book of James, it talks about how the crown, the crown of life, was a reward that the believer gets. And so they're taking their reward and they're giving it back to Christ. And so the reason why I think it's so important that we spend all of our time and our money storing up treasure is because the larger the treasure we have in heaven, the more we're going to be able to offer at Christ's feet. Imagine that moment for a, a second. Imagine that you're in heaven. There are no more sin, uh, sins. There is no more death. There is no more anything that sin created. There is only peace and joy and worship of God forever because of Jesus Christ. And then you're before Jesus and you say, I got two pieces of gold. And when I think of that, I don't want two pieces of gold if the, next, the person next to me is going to have uh, something the size of Mount Everest. I want as much as I can to, to give as much, so much that, that when it comes to that moment, treasure in heaven, that we would be able to, with our desire, our time and our money, that we would say, Lord, you gave everything for me so I could be here worshiping you for eternity. Now all I want to do is offer this at your feet. Offer this before Christ. Someone in church history, I believe it was Charles Wesley, was so devoted to making sure that he didn't waste a second of his time 
that he divided up his time into 20-minute segments because he wanted to make sure that not a second of his time was wasted. That every single moment of his time divided up into 20-minute segments. As I hear that, I, I definitely believe he did that because he wanted to glorify God in every moment that he had. We see as well that this text ends with a warning. It ends with a warning. Verse 14. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. I believe that there are going to be people who, who like I said, were saved by faith in Christ, but there are going to be people who get to heaven and they're going to have no treasure in heaven to work for it. And they're going to stand there before Christ, the most beautiful God-man of all time, and they're going to have nothing to give him. And it's like showing up at your best friend's wedding without a wedding gift. It's like showing up to a birthday party for the person who did everything for you without a birthday present. And I pray that this would spur us all on, that we would spend our time and our money not storing up cotton candy, not storing up fog-like lives, but storing up gold, silver, and precious stones that we will one day be able to offer at Christ's feet. That we will be able to say on that day, Lord, you have given everything for me. My desire is I want to give this to you. How God has given specific gifts for faith in Christ. Mysteries to the glory of God. But then we began to zoom out as well. And we looked not only at the ministries that God has assigned us to, but also in everything, from turning on a switch to going bowling to sharing the God, everything, that we would do all of that to his glory. And if you're in this room and potentially you've never come to faith in Christ, I want to ask you the question. As you're looking at your life, what are you living it for? The Bible talks about how we can live lives of substance. But, but I do want to leave with this warning as well. Everything we've been talking about has had to do with those six materials has had to do with what will happen to the believer on the last day. There are six materials, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Believers will be storing that up. But the Bible says that there is only one thing that unbelievers will be storing up in life, and that's wrath. Wrath for sin. And I say this, one, for unbelievers, but I say this, too, if you're a believer and you have friends who are unbelievers, this is what is at stake. That we as Christians, there are six materials that we are, we are offering up. And yet for the unbeliever, there is only one thing that the Bible says that they are storing up, and it is wrath in hell forever. And as you look at Christ, I pray that if you have not done before, that you would behold Christ and that you would imagine all of your sin and you would put it upon him and imagine that it is finished for you. And that as we see our unbelieving friends, there is coming a moment where there will be no more chances and they will be in outer darkness in hell forever. Might we desire, might it spur us on to share the gospel while there's still time. And just to end where we began, there's going to be a moment where we stand as believers before God. As you look at those billion actions, might, we, might it spur us on to do all of it to the glory of God. And with that, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for Christ. 
Thank you that we are saved through the blood of Jesus. Thank you that we are saved by faith in him. I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here who does not know you, that they would come to that faith and that they would begin to store up gold, silver, and precious stones. And I pray, Lord, for every person in this room, we all know those who have not put their trust in Christ yet. Oh, Lord, might we share. Might we share where there's still time. In Jesus' name, amen.